0: Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. I'm going to be doing this one by myself this week. No, Steve Krupa. I had a chance to speak with Trip Peak. He is one of the founders of a firm that was previously known as Long River Ventures. It's now going by a new name and a new approach l r v health l r v health is uh raising a new fund Trip will get into the details of that in this podcast and it's uh working with uh provider networks with hospital systems to uh to raise that money and to build a network that it can use both to identify new innovative opportunities but also to uh, give access to, for its portfolio companies to some real-time feedback from potential customers. So it's not an unusual strategy, certainly one we've seen in healthcare, but uh, really like the firm uh, LRV Health. We had Keith Figlioli on here oh, um, probably three or four months ago prior to the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit of last year. And uh, his podcast was terrific, got a great response from that. So we wanted to uh, give LRV its due we talked a bit about its strategy, about where it's investing in, uh, in medtech, in digital health, in diagnostics. So it'll be all over the board looking for great new opportunities to invest. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Trip Peak of LRV Health. Before I let you go, though, I did want to let you in on the secret. Actually, it's not a secret. We've mentioned it on the podcast before, but we are having the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit on October 11th in Boston. So make sure you do circle that day. Now let's get into this conversation with Trip Peak of LRV Health. Well, Trip Peak, welcome to the podcast. Oh, uh, thank you. Thanks, Tom. Great to be on it. It's great to have you here, and uh, it's an interesting shift for your firm. You uh, you were a co-founder of Long River Ventures, and now you're uh, unveiling a, a new name and a new approach, LRV Health. And uh, I'd love to get into the the shift in a moment, but how did you come to form uh, Long River Ventures back in uh, back in two thousand? Yeah,
0: well, I've been um, I have been working in the startup world, both um, on the a little bit more on the technology commercialization side down at the University City Science Center uh, in Philadelphia, which is a group connected with Penn and Drexel and Thomas Jefferson Hospital. And then at a group called Science Park in New Haven, Connecticut, which is connected to Yale University. And a lot of that work was kind of, you know, evaluating technologies. A lot of the tech transfer offices there had things that they thought were licensable, but they also had things they thought a business could be built out of. And so um, we did a lot of work in forming companies and adding people and, and building them to Uh, Some key milestones, of course, which included financing. So um, I went through a series of steps in uh, raising capital for companies and putting those deals together and eventually ended up uh, doing a small seed fund um, that was primarily backed by a mass mutual insurance company. Mass Mutual had had an interest in getting into the venture business. Um, and had gotten to know what we had been doing down in New Haven in Philadelphia and uh, decided to, to back an initial uh, fund. And uh, after doing that, um, I decided that I needed a partner to do that with, and there was a guy by the name of Will Cowan, who I'd known for some time. And Will's a longtime healthcare guy. He had done a company called, built a company called Navamedics, uh, which later became Navinet, which was one of the first companies to put the payers and the providers together on uh, the internet. And um, we've been thinking quite a bit about building a venture fund that would be, in some ways, an old-fashioned venture fund. At that time, in 2000, you know, you had uh, such a huge run-up of the size of funds and. Uh, you know, j- j- just that was the go go time. And our sense was that there was a little bit of uh, opportunity still left behind by those funds going from, you know, 75 million to 800 million. There was a real opportunity for the kinds of, of early stage small deals that were around for many years that were, you know, raising 3 million as a Series A or 5 million as a Series A. Uh, and so smallish by those go 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 time standards,
1: but um, still a very interesting company. So so we did that. So, well, first of all, I need to ask, is, is there a Long River? Where is Long River? Or did it just sound like a good name for a venture firm?
0: <laughs> well, we're long, right? We go long. So, uh, <laughs> um, it's, actually, uh, it's actually the name for the Connecticut River. So the original sort of Indian translation, oh. I don't think the Indians had made it out to the Mississippi, so it was the longest river they knew. And and uh, so the Native Americans decided to call it the word Connecticut or some inversion of that really means long tidal river or long river. And part of that was that we had decided to not only invest in Boston and the rest of New England, but we wanted to make note that there was a kind of knowledge corridor running from New Haven up through UMass Amherst up through. Firmus College, etc. In our initial fund, so uh, we
1: grabbed that name. Yeah, I guess Dirty Water Ventures probably wouldn't have sounded as good. So Long River Ventures is definitely <laughs> the way to go. We've had a number
0: of jokes. We have had a number <laughs> of jokes about the name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's well, that's the old name. Let's 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 get into the new name. Now, now you're LRV Health, and uh, not only do you have a new name, but you have a, a new approach and a new network for investing. So. Let's uh, let's talk a bit about our, our LRV Health. What is the new structure? What is your new LP base, and and how will you be doing things differently than you did as, at Long River?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, the a tie in there is obviously the initials, and because Long River Ventures seemed too long for a lot of people to say, everything became <laughs> LRV, and uh, so we were we we've kind of been branded as LRV quite a bit over the last two or three funds, but in our third fund, which is a 2014 vintage fund, <clears throat> we, in, in building that fund, uh, we had determined that we wanted to focus much more on healthcare. And we also had two strategic investors. We had um, a provider system, based State Health Systems, out in Western Mass. And we had uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts. And with those two strategic investors, we started thinking, you know, how can we work together with them to be more strategic, to tie into, you know, what they're seeing, to tie into their market needs, um, to have them help us vet deals, uh, originate deals, etc. cetera. And that experiment, if you will, or that work in our current fund or our last fund um, uh, really started to work. And we felt like, We were getting a lot of input. We were building good partnerships with different parts of the organization. So we were gaining access to, you know, chief medical officers. We were getting access to chief investment officers. We were getting access to chief information officers. So we said, you know, let's look in this next fund and try to build on that. Um, So we've now done that. And we went out and did a bit of a listening tour where we could find out how a lot of the provider systems thought about this stuff. Um, it's a great tour. <laughs> we talked to maybe 40 systems, uh, and we ended up uh, getting some some interest. And as we built LRV Health, we wanted to signify 100% focus on health. We've been doing some health and some tech in our first two funds, more healthcare in our third. So this is our fourth fund. It's LRV Health. And um, the investor base, the LP base, is made up primarily so far, and we're still raising, still in the process of raising and finishing off the fund. But the initial um, close included uh, eight total systems, um, you know, from around the country representing 23 states. It was probably, you know, 40 million plus lives. They touch 25,000 clinicians, um, uh, 148 hospitals, 2,000 uh, points of care. So, you know, we, we were able to assemble this very strong provider group uh, who, I think, is, is it, they are in it for the returns. You know, you're, you're going through chief investment officers and you're going through consultants from the financial side, but, you know, they're also in it for the insights and the information flow and what they want, what they want to see out in the marketplace
1: going back to your, your first uh, two uh, relationships in your in your previous fund what was it that uh, where did that that relationship help you most was it in in sourcing deals in, in vetting deals and getting exposure for your portfolio companies uh, is there one place where it helped more than the rest
0: you know that's a great question i i, I think it, you know the obvious answer or the answer we expect is all of the above but i would say You know, one of the areas that stands out for sure is in uh, listening and defining the problems they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So one of the things that I think uh, all of us who are in, uh, you know, the world, and by the way, I've been to, you know, your conferences. They're great, and it's great to sort of have that thought process of where healthcare is going, what's new, what the innovations are. The one in Boston is terrific, and I'm headed out to uh, the Med tech one in Minneapolis. Um, but but um, you know part of that is that we all kind of get caught up in our our sort of futuristic views of where we think healthcare is going. In the meantime, you know the people who are in the trenches delivering health care, dealing with workflow problems, dealing with information problems, dealing with uh, you know the day to day financial stresses. Um, it's interesting, just interesting to hear the problems they're really dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So it helps us. It's really helped us think a lot about the mix of both the future and the practical.
1: So in in the beginning to raise this fourth fund and going out on that listening tour with uh, other hospitals, are you clearly? This is we're seeing providers and, and even payers. Uh, starting their own investment units or investing in existing funds or or other or outside venture funds. Did you were you talking to um, to entities that have already done this and sort of knew the drill or were you seeking out kind of untapped um, maybe uh, uh, provider networks or hospital systems out on the outskirts that perhaps weren't getting access to innovation through uh, through other investment funds?
0: Yeah, I would say there was a mix. What we learned in the the broader listening tour um, was certainly, you know, a lot of energy going on um, with a, with a number of healthcare systems and thinking about <clears throat> both innovation and strategic investing. So we definitely heard that. We saw models that, as you say, included you know some of the big names, whether it's Um, you know, Kaiser or uh, Cleveland Clinic or others who've been doing this for a long time have their own systems, have their own funding mechanisms. And, you know, I would say there's quite a number of those that are out there. Um, And then I think there's a lot that are, you know, for one reason or another, because of scale or size or reach or, or, you know, some other factor, they are kind of laggards, aren't thinking about this at all. But there's, you know, there was a clear middle group. And I think they kind of are defined as super regionals, regionals and super regionals that are out there. So some of them are pretty big systems, you know, $4 billion, $6 billion kind of numbers in terms of their revenues. They cover quite a bit of territory. They have a lot of facilities, but, you know, they haven't been, they're learning, they're thinking about innovation, they're thinking about, investing. Some have dabbled and done some of their own. Uh, Some are probably in a couple of funds. So, you know, I think it's like any other, you know, LP group where you have a group that's building a program. And I think that's where we got
1: the most response. How much have you raised and what's the the target for the fourth fund? The target's a hundred million and we've raised a little under half in the first close. That's great. And did that take long at all or or are you getting a lot of reception and getting it quickly? Um,
0: we, we raised uh, that first part pretty quickly, um, not including the listening tour part. I mean, obviously we went out and and had a lot of dialogues and just kind of made sure we were we were well grounded. And then once we we, we went into the market more more formally, we um, we raised that first piece pretty car- uh, pretty quickly. And we've got you know a pretty good slate of uh, you know pretty good pipeline lined up that we think we'll have additional closes in probably April and probably June or July.
1: Great. And I, and I want to get into the uh, the relationship with those uh, investors just so I understand how you're going to be working with them. And you've got some other interesting partners as well. But first, let's just uh, tell me, how, how do you define healthcare at LRV? Uh, what subsectors will you be investing in? And what sort of companies are you looking for, stage and otherwise?
0: Well, we are... Um, we, we we look for companies that um, are in general areas. We we have some we've, we have some investment themes which I can touch on as well. But kind of in terms of the general subsegments, um, we are looking at companies in traditional sort of healthcare software, healthcare IT, you know, or digital health, depending on your definition and the naming. Um, we look at tech enabled services. We are. Uh, believers that, you know, the days of just sort of dropping off technology at these systems are largely over. And there's still uh, a role for that in many places and many parts of the systems. But in many other areas, uh, we think the systems are looking for someone to provide a technology with some services uh, around that. And I don't necessarily mean sort of physician care services, but support services or care management services or, um, you, you know, something like that. Um, and then we do medical devices and diagnostics. We don't do therapeutics um, and, um, or biopharma.
1: And what, might, uh, what types of medical device companies might you be looking at? Traditional uh, implantable sort of things or, or maybe something with more of a digital uh, hybrid quality? What, you, what are you seeing or what do you hope to see?
0: probably more of the latter. I think we
1: have, you know, we, I mentioned we have a number of themes
0: and they include that, you know, value-based care is is, is here to stay. It's, it's a gradual but inevitable. We're focused on consumers. We're focused on intelligence, intelligent systems, which we think will drive care delivery decisions. I think a lot of the traditional lines are blurring between uh, both payers and providers, but also between acute and ambulatory Um, and, you know, there's a huge need to reduce costs uh, across these systems. When you kind of add all those up, there's certain devices and diagnostics that fit those things well, and I think those have to do probably some in the categories of digital health. They certainly have to do with bringing, monitoring, um, and even devices outside of the acute care centers and out to clinics, out to the ambulatory world out to the home even um you know all the remote monitoring um as well as procedures and um and diagnostics that you can do in a different way in a cheaper way in a better way and you can do it in a different setting so i think those are high on our list hey
1: everybody tom here just want to take a quick break from this conversation with trip to tell you a little bit about the conference he mentioned in this podcast it's called the medtech conference going on May 31st in Minneapolis. It is a, a healthy G event, just like the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. I'm actually in charge of the, the MedTech Conference, and it's going to be a terrific day. Very similar setup to the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. We'll have a lot of uh, terrific interviews with high-profile MedTech executives. We'll have a great panel uh, that's been put together by Lisa Soonan. Uh, she does a great job, of course. We had her at the summit back in Boston, but she's joining us in Minneapolis to talk about machine learning and AI and how that's influencing MedTech. So what you want to do is go to medtechconference.com. We're going to be posting details about the agenda up there very shortly. We've got a, a uh, an overview of the agenda right now, but we'll be putting some names in there so you'll know the details. But go to medtechconference.com if you want to check out more. If you do want to attend, feel free to register. We'd love to see you there. And I invite you to use a code, the MedTechTalk code. Just type in MedTech talk. That's our MedTech podcast. Do that and you'll save yourself $100 off the registration fee. It really is a great day. Minneapolis is a great town, especially in May, and we would love to see you there. So go to MedTechConference.com to join Trip and me at the MedTech Conference. Now let's get back into this conversation. Do you get a sense as to whether the hospital systems are viewing technology differently? Do they see... The barriers breaking down between digital technology and, and med tech, traditional med tech, is it all just healthcare technology? Are, are they all just? Do they all go to the same place, the same committee, and get reviewed under the same way? How, how, how is their perception of technology evolving?
0: Well, I think they're still fragmented somewhat within the system. So, to, to your last question, I think they're they're in motion on that in terms of rethinking it. That's what we hear quite a bit. Um, and I think the biggest evolution we hear uh, from the systems is, it, you know, it's in t- it's certainly time to embrace that technology and embrace those changes. Um, you know, every system's a little different in that, and and you know, Tom, you know, healthcare, so you, you know, they're never going to adopt super fast. It's always going to take <laughs> some time. But they, um, I think, there's a recognition of the adoption of technology. Um, solving a lot of their problems is, you know, that's a completely different sense of that than it was, you know, certainly 10 years ago, but even three years or five years ago. So we see a lot of that. I do think, you know, a lot of this comes back to data. You know, at the end of the day, if you think step back, you think about the evolution, you know, the the big picture evolution is we finally digitize records (laughs) at the end of the day now finally, finally, after all that work uh, and all that implementation, you know, we have a pretty robust set of data, even though it's incomplete in many cases. It's often not longitudinal. Uh, it's often in silos, but we're beginning to sense we have this huge amount of data. And now, <clears throat> along, with, uh, along with the genomics and the other uh, sort of personalized medicine side of the equation, you know, you're beginning to look at lots of ways to be intelligent with caregiving. And I think people are picking up on that. And where it all goes, we still got a long ways to go. But, um, but I think everybody in the systems are beginning to see that.
1: Sure. That's a great point. Well, let's look back at, uh, at LRV again. You you're also have a relationship with the, uh, the Inno- Innovation Institute. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that and uh, how you'll be working together with them?
0: Yeah, those are. That was one of the great, great um, sort of revelations as we as we kind of went on this listening tour. One of the groups we ran into was the, this group called the uh, Innovation Institute. They're based um, in LA. They really came out of the St. Joe's system originally, out that way, um, and most of the folks that are there were uh, active in in uh, the leadership at St. Joe's and. Um, Uh, Along with the after or as part of the process, the merger with Providence System, um, they spun out this activity called the Innovation Institute. And basically the Innovation Institute has a, if you will, an innovation lab model. They have some really great ways of funding that because they have a number of bigger operating businesses throw off cash that allow them to have a model to continue to to invest in new things. But one of the things they do that we're most interested in is they have a team of people vetting, looking at, uh, and doing IP work and doing product development work and doing market research work on things coming out of a group of systems that are all members of the Innovation Institute. So it's a little bit like an outsourced technology commercialization group. Um, And so, you know, they've got a huge number of disclosures and innovations and ideas out of their systems, I think 1,800 so far. Um, they put in and invest a lot of time and work in those, and many of those are, I think, um, some of them are simple apps, some of them are you know, one-off devices, so not necessarily all of them are things that we would look at to build a company around, but we think 5 or 10% will be. so. Number one it's a you know interesting flow of deals coming right out of the systems, um, and uh, you know we'll be looking at that deal flow and assessing that as part of our overall deal flow. And then number two, because they have these capabilities, um, you know they they have some good expertise and some good networks for helping us vet the deals we find elsewhere. So we're quite excited about it. Good folks, really fun to work with, and. And uh, it's a great relationship.
1: Well, that does lead to the question: How, where will you be looking for deals? Uh, where do you anticipate most of your deals will come from? Will it be through the traditional external sources, uh, entrepreneurs coming to you with ideas, references from other other VCs, et cetera?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, my part, my co-founder Will and I have been doing this
1: for you know 17 years. So we've got
0: uh, you know some of the companies in the past. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but Get Well Networks, which was one of the first and arguably one of the most successful patient engagement companies, Freesia, which is a clinician uh, doctor's office intake platform. Um, So quite a number of companies that are out there, they've been uh, established, well-established. And and I think that network of both entrepreneurs and people who know those companies uh, send us uh, deal flow. So we get a lot from external uh, sources. Um, but, uh, the other thing that we're doing and we have done in the past is, you know, those kind of themes that I rattled off, those themes, you know, kind of get translated into certain investment areas that we have an interest in. And so we'll also, uh, occasionally, uh, put together, uh, a little due diligence team and go out and try to find four or five or six companies in a particular area, and just go reach out and and look for those companies and and try to see what we can, what we can find. Some of that's triggered, if you will, by a batch of early stage companies that all come in at once and you go, huh, oh, what's going on here? And next thing you turn around, I say, wow, this is an area that's obviously uh, now pretty active. It meets an interesting theme and uh, we will sometimes reach out and find others in that
1: same space. And, and what will companies that, uh, that work with you? What, what? How will they be able to tap into your uh, your network, into the the connections with the hospitals and and your other relationships as well? What do they get from uh, from LRV that they perhaps might not get from another uh, another venture firm?
0: Well, I think uh, right from the from the start, we we have built an operating model that we're working
1: with those systems that allow us
0: um, a, a pretty effective information flow back and forth. And as you can imagine, everybody's busy. We're busy. They're busy. And so I think the way you you have to utilize the strategic partners um, is you have to build a system that's efficient and effective and allows you to quickly get information back and forth, know the right people to talk to, et cetera. And so that that's a framework as a background. Um, so I think when companies come, what they can expect is that we're going to be able to tap into that network in a fairly rapid fashion and get a lot of information and a lot of feedback on what they're doing, uh, how it fits, what the issues are, what the problems are, uh, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think as an entrepreneur, you know, you always want to know, you always want to have that perspective and that information. Um, So I think that's important for us on the front end. And I think it'll be an additive value out to the entrepreneurs, um, you know, whether we go forward with the deal or not. Um, And then, obviously, we are we we, we don't have this fund set up in a way in which, uh, for instance, a certain number of the hospital systems uh, are going to want to adopt in order for us to invest. It's not quite that tight. Um, because, we, we, because you know, we're also going to be looking ahead a little bit. So we may be betting on something that we think is very likely to be adopted, but maybe they're not ready to yet. But on the other hand, you know, I think there will be uh, the ability, we hope, that by the time we've done vetting and working with the hospital systems or, and some payers to know, you know, whether this fits what they think about it, uh, whether they like it or not, what's good and bad, um, you know, you've got a high likelihood of being able to make some introductions. Uh, got a li- high likelihood of getting some pilots and
1: beta projects going on. You got a high likelihood of some early adoption. Uh, those are definitely uh, important things to consider. Are you uh, looking to bring in payers as well, or have you already?
0: We are. well we 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 have um, one payer who's uh, nearly done with the process, who we we hope to come in and we have two or three. In discussion, and uh, we would like to have probably end up with maybe, you know, 10 or 12 systems and three or four payers. And we also have a couple of large vendors that we're talking about who are, you know, large healthcare vendors who, um, you know, we think will be add interesting perspectives. Um, You know, one of the things we did on the listening tour is we talked to the providers and we said, how do you feel about the payers? Being at the table and around the table as part of this, and uh, you know you're always expecting, you know, a little bit of a negative reaction because they've spent years sort of battling each other. Um, but but um, we got some very positive reaction about it, and I think it was just an indication that the lines are blurring a little bit, and everybody wants to know how to uh, think about risk adjustment and everybody wants wants to understand how to think about value based care, and who pays, and and and, uh how to think about that so you know i i believe there's a lot more interest than there might have been 10 years ago
1: and what will be the best way for uh an entrepreneur who's listening to this uh to approach you i don't need your your home phone number or anything but what should they uh what 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 should they be bringing in terms of uh data ideas uh how, how should they reach out is there a an effective way of getting their ideas in front of LRV.
0: Well, I think, you know, could we, we pay attention to the the information forms that are in through the website. We list all of our advisors, our contact information, and we're proactive so they should just reach out and and uh, and talk to us. Um, we are, you know, you sort of asked earlier and I'm not sure I answer it, but we're probably traditional Series A investors for the most part. We've done some Seed stage, late seed. Uh, We've done a few things where we've worked on technologies that um, you know have been a founder and an innovation, Uh, and then all the way up to some sort of early Series B. So we're early stage, but I would say the Series A round is uh, the typical sweet spot for us.
1: And you've added uh, to the team recently. We had uh, Keith Figliolia on our Breaking Hill podcast a couple of months ago. He's a a terrific addition. So. Who are the, the investment partners for our, our LRV Health? Yeah, so there's,
0: there's four partners. There's um, three people who are uh, general partners, um, and they include my co-founder, Will, who I mentioned before, Keith, and myself. And obviously, when you brought up Keith's name, he was at Premier and ran the uh, data and technology business at Premier. I think it really put him in a, in a catbird seat, really, in seeing a lot of the industry. And um, and uh, he's been a terrific uh, addition. And then we have a, a venture partner, general partner in our third fund, uh, and a venture partner in the past. Uh, a guy by the name of John Cole, and John was um, John was uh, a co-founder of Comcast Ventures, and so he has a deep sort of venture background. He's also a technology guy and spends a lot of time helping us think through of you know, some of the cutting edge technologies that are floating around there can be sometimes um, you know, a lot of hype around them and thinking, okay, where do these really apply to healthcare? Terrific.
1: Final question. You you raised your first fund in two thousand. As we all know the things sort of uh took a dive after that, so good timing for you. You probably found some nice pricing uh, in two thousand and one. Where do you think we are today with uh with venture financing and in in medtech and in digital health, do you see any kind of uh, seismic changes over the next couple of years? Are you anticipating any anticipating anything?
0: Well, you know we think that um, we think that uh, there's been a lot of funding, um, certainly in digital health uh, over the last few years. We think there's a lot of promise to that. Um, we do think that you know, one will have to be careful with that. Whether that whether there's a lot too much overfunding in that, uh, we're not sure. We certainly think that you know that's been a ripe area for investment, um, and a lot of neat companies uh, in, uh, that have been funded. And uh, so we're sort of keeping an eye on whether that's at the high, you know the top of the cycle, is it on the way up, is it on the way down, is it ready to go down a bit. So we think about that a lot. Um, we also you know, believe in some other sectors that um, there's interesting dynamics. I think the, the medical device sector is probably pretty steady. It goes through some up and downs based on, as you know, you know, some of the perceived issues that go on with consolidation, the FDA, et cetera. So, you know, there's some perceptions that, that make med devices at certain times more popular or not popular. And I think, I think that's probably a pretty steady sector actually um and uh the diagnostics and tools sector that we've put some bets on before, I think is a sector um that's probably gone out of favor a little bit um but you know we think there's a lot of opportunities there as well
1: well it's uh it's great to have l r v health out there. I'm sure entrepreneurs will be happy to have another uh firm to call on and uh We look forward to seeing you at the uh, MedTech Conference on May 31st in Minneapolis. Great, Tom. Looking forward to being there. Thank you. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Trip Peak of LRV Health. Thanks so much for sharing your news story. It's great to have an update on the former Long River Ventures, and it's great to have another firm out there with money to invest in healthcare startups. So, look forward to seeing you at the MedTech Conference on May 31st in Minneapolis, and of course... Back here in Boston on October 11th when we'll be having the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. So that's uh, that's your save the date mention to all of our podcast listeners. While I'm speaking to our podcast listeners, I did want to give you an update on the Breaking Health podcast schedule. I know we were a little staggered with our release of the new podcast. What we're going to do over the next six weeks or so, we'll probably put out a podcast every other week. And then we'll resume our weekly podcast schedule after that. So uh, if you don't see a podcast coming to you every week, we are still uh, working on them. We'll be getting them out to you. We'll have Steve Krupa back next time with a great interview. And uh, we're just using the time to uh, get a few things in order here at Healthogy. We're putting on many great events, including the Digital Health Innovation Summit and the MedTech Conference putting on events in aesthetics and respiratory and uh, it's an exciting time here. So we want to make sure we use it extremely well and we want to make sure we give uh, Steve Krupa the time to do the great interviews of healthcare leaders. So uh, we are here. We will continue to put it to the breaking health podcast. Just uh, it may be staggered for the next month and a half or so. So just uh, bear with us, but we do very much appreciate your support and uh, ask you to tune in next time for another great tale of innovation on the Breaking Hell Podcast.